Greetings, you are now listening to the McCuffey Croncast. Stand by for your hosts, Brian Murphy and Doug Bruzzoni. They will be discussing your favorite baseball squadron, the San Francisco Giants. Take it away, Brian and Doug. A new month means we don't have to think about the Giants being 9-17 and 17 in the month of April. That's true. You know, it's, it's one of those great things, you know, when it just becomes May, a team can turn the page. Like, for example, in my own life, I've had jobs where I didn't do very well in April. But then once it got to May, my boss was like, well, it's a new month now. So you're probably doing really well. <laughs> I think that's how that works. That's really not how it works in life, but uh, in baseball, apparently. So if you're listening to us, thank you, because we know <laughs> you could be doing other things as opposed to talking about your favorite baseball team. But the Giants, 9-17 and 17 <laughs> in April. It's like the worst, one of the worst starts in franchise history. It might be the worst in San Francisco Giants history. It's easily the worst in AT&T Park era of the Giants. Um, they haven't been this bad since 2015, which is an interesting thought. They were 9-13 and 13 in the month of, of April. Um, the broadcasters, the front office, everyone obviously wants your dollar. They want your attention. And they keep saying a new month. Well, the last couple of times the Giants have been really terrible in April, uh, they were actually very good in May. And I think that was like in 2004, they were 10 and 14. In 2015, they were 9 and 13. And I, I think if I read this correctly or if, I, I was, if I'm remembering it correctly, they did win 21 games in the month of May for both those seasons. Like so in the last 17 years when the Giants have been atrocious in the month of April, there's been a couple of instances where they've bounced back and been really good. But also then in both those seasons, they were bad, pretty much bad the rest of the way. Like 2015, you would think, oh, that's interesting. And then they just kind of faded away and weren't really that good for the rest of the season. Maybe that would be different this time around. I think in the last week's Croncast, we said, if you really want to be like a crazed fan and you're going to love the Giants no matter what, then you can look to the A's being 8-17 and 17 in the month of April in 2001 and still winning 102 games. But the Giants... Doug need to go eighty-one and fifty-five the rest of the way to get to ninety wins. Well, to me, saying that comparing the team to the 20, 2004 and twenty fifteen teams is sort of like the Calvin and Hobbes strip, where Calvin says, "You know how Einstein got bad grades in math as a kid? Well, mine are even worse." <laughs> I mean, this is just a bad team, and there comes a point after you know. They should be better. They should be better. They should be better. Well, you can stop saying that at some point because apparently they shouldn't be better. They have the worst run differential in the NL. They have the worst record in the NL. They are they have the second worst run differential in the majors behind only the Royals, who have had a disastrous start. The, they're bad. They're not good at anything. They've scored fewer runs than any team in the NL. They've given up a very middle-of-the-pack number of runs their pitching staff and they're awful. And so you look at that and you say, yes, you would hope that they'd be better, but will they be? Is that really what we expect? Cause we've been watching a garbage baseball team for a month now. Well, if we go back to the all since the all-star break last year, it's even worse than that. I think they're 35 and 72. Is that right? (laughs) 
35 and 72 since the last also break we can i can pause you know i can edit this while we wait for me to come up with the actual number but uh, let's just go with that they were like 26 and 55 i think when last i saw someone did the count from last um from the all-star break last year so i know in the second half last year they were 30 and 42 30 and 42 so, okay, so they are 39. 39 and 57. 39 and 59. You said 39 42. and 59, yeah. 39 yeah. and 59 uh, since the second half of last year. That's awful. I mean, that's <laughs> the Giants or the Twins now. Yeah. And maybe we should have known that when they, when they got Eduardo Nunez. <laughs> <laughs> he brought it over with him. That's right. <laughs> Um, so the Giants basically since the all-star break of last year have a .397 basically a 40% win percentage yes so that is the team uh, we can go Which, over a full year by the way that would be a 64 win team so not the 100 loss pace they're on currently no <laughs> because no. so the April Giants are actually worse than the second half 2016 Giants which, when you were watching that team, it didn't occur to you that they could be worse. It well, I it didn't in it didn't emotionally or metaphorically occur to me that that's possible. <laughs> but intellectually, when people were saying they can't be worse than what they've been, I'm like, I really think they could. That's <laughs> right. Know, it's Buster, always possible. Yeah, Buster Posey being another year older alone. I, I mean, I would say that part of the season where things obviously things went wrong right away there's no doubt about it but i would say losing madison bumgarner for let's face it it's going to be pretty much the whole season and at this point if the giants win only nine more games in may there's no reason to rush him back whatsoever but you know they're going to lose him for most of the season they're going what you're going to have him back august and september you know he's going to be really rusty it's not he's he's done for the year essentially I think that happening in Colorado and the fact that the Giants really only have four hitters, like actual good major league hitters, um, and no surprises. I think that's the other thing, no surprises. I, I think the the uh, the accident really did it's, – it's not an asterisk. It doesn't, like, change that the Giants are bad, which I – you know, I'm, you know I'm ready to agree with that, Doug. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it doesn't really – it, it does add in this little wrinkle of like, well, maybe if he didn't get hurt, they win a couple more games. But really, what are we talking about? It really is, to an extent, splitting hairs, 11 and 15 and 9 and 17. Because how much better are they at that 11 and 15? Oh, they're two wins better, Brian. But really, <laughs> performance-wise, what is it really, what do you really gain out of it? Um, and, you know, the Giants this week, 3 and 4 on a 7-game homestand this past week. You know, that's awful. And there were two instances where it could have been a five and, you know, they had opportunities to make that a five and two homestand. Again, 11 and 15. Does that make any difference? I don't know. But it would have at least said that the Giants were capable of making some breaks and they couldn't pull it together. Either their defense let them down, as was the case yesterday, uh, that led to Hector Sanchez hitting a home run uh, to tie the game. Um, or it's just bad. It's just bad offense. It's just bad plate appearances. And people are already raining booze down or not booze down. They're already criticizing online because online is where all the worst people go, uh, for, 
you know, criticizing Christian Arroyo because he's not the freaking savior. Well, Christian Arroyo shouldn't be the savior. And the fact is, he hit two home runs this week. At this week, and I don't see Buster Posey doing that. I don't see. I don't see Eduardo Nunez doing that. I don't see the guys who have been there a while doing this. Hit, you know, hitting home runs. All to the point of the team could be better, but they're probably not going to be. They're just probably not going to be better than what they are. So yes, the Giants have the worst record in the National League. They have a minus minus 33 uh, run differential, which is the worst in the National League. The Royals are worse. I think the Blue Jays have a worse record by one by one. They have one fewer win. Um, and the Padres have like uh, it's basically a triple A team. Um, and they're they're handing the Giants their butts. And uh, and I don't know. I, I, I don't know where any rational person would would pull out positivity going forward. We know the broadcasters have to... They can't say, stop watching. (laughs) Stop listening. (laughs) That would be... They would get fired. Uh, So they can't do that. But you, even the person who has the season ticket packages, I guess if you've been buying season tickets for the Giants for so long, you are a part of the company. You're going to tow the the party line. And you're going to just say what they say because you're giving so much money every year you have to feel like there's going to be a return on your investment but we're a month in and i think it's pretty safe to say it's not going to get better from here if the giants win 21 games next month i would like them to turn it around and prove us wrong and maybe third time's the charm in the last 17 years of having an awful april and a great may and then being able to sustain the may but that just doesn't usually work out no um, <laughs> even if they win 21 games next year, they're still not going to be that or 21 games next month. They're still not going to be that good of a team. Yeah. That's sort of the sad part. They're going to be an okay team, but they've done so much damage to themselves. They have hurt themselves so badly that a 21 win may, which is if I am looking at this right, 28 games, 21 and seven, great month, incredible month that gets them to 30 and 23, which is still, which is just a good team. They have to have an otherworldly may to be a decent team. And then they have to sustain that without Madison Bumgarner. Now yeah. we can talk about Ty Block being a perfectly cromulent villain and Matt Cain doing his thing of being a viable major league pitcher, which we're going to get into. And Johnny Cueto is still ostensibly an ace You've got questions with Matt Moore. You've got questions with Jeff Samarja. Uh, you've got questions with the bullpen. But if something miraculous happens uh, offensively, it has to happen offensively at this point in May if the Giants' bats get hot. And my question, my worry then would be, so let's assume that the Giants win 21. This is just for this hypothetical moment, Doug. Giants win yeah. 21 games in May. Ha, ha, ha. Um, <laughs> That, would, that, to me, is a sign that the offense is clicking. If the offense is clicking, that means that Michael Morse, um, I don't know who's playing, Drew Stubbs, <laughs> uh, Christian Arroyo, Eduardo Nunez, are, are, and let's face it, Todd Hundley is going to keep, Nick Hundley, Nick Hundley. Todd Hundley, no, Todd, I don't know what I was thinking, Nick Hundley is going to get, he keeps getting lots of at-bats, he's going to keep getting lots of at-bats, uh, that they're all hitting well. Very well. I think it would be fool's gold. It's fool's gold if they hit that well in May. 
to then say, okay, the offense is fine. And I think that's where the problem has been in these other years with the Giants, is that they have a, a flash great month where everyone plays out of their minds or plays of their potential or whatever. But it's going against all the norms. Christian Arroyo is going to struggle. We might already be seeing him going into that slump, if even if he hits well. Eduardo Nunez, is he much better than he is now? Um, I mean, I, I think probably he should be. Is Drew? I like Drew Stubbs as a fifth outfielder. He's a fantastic fifth or fourth outfielder. But if he's playing every day, and if the option choices between him and Denard Span, I think at this point I'm picking Drew Stubbs. But what am I picking there? You know? And is Michael Morris any sort of an answer? I don't know. So I would just say the Giants are have a makeshift lineup, and if that suddenly overperforms, I would say that they're gonna get they're gonna get fall into the trap of believing that's okay, we're settled for the season. And then it'll just implode again. And I think that's been the boom and bust of the Giants the last six or seven years. Is sort of like let's ride these hot streaks for as long as we can, and then let's give reward contracts based on them. <laughs> uh, let's just go with that. So, uh, I guess that's my bigger point. You're saying I'm agreeing with you. There's not much here. So if they suddenly play way better than they are, why would we believe that over this? Because that's good, and and of course they're winning. So why wouldn't we? You don't want to break this up and hurt this momentum. Uh, I think there's just a lot. <laughs> I think there's just a lot of. Uh, there needs to be um, not a come to Jesus moment. I think there just needs to be some clear-eyed, rational thinking here about the reality of the Giants' situation. Though there's always a competition window, and the Giants can keep filling in the the, the bad stuff, replacing it, swapping it out with with stuff from the farm. And let's assume Arroyo's that guy. Well, the outfield is inert offensively you know there's just a lot of things that are going to keep cropping up no matter what the Giants do because there's some fundamental issues that they haven't addressed they've tried but it's just not working out I think the the middle of the bullpen the rotation is a little shaky and of course the outfield offensively and let's face it defense is kind of a question mark with this team right now <laughs> and I think a one good month does, should not be enough to wash away the bad taste of since July last year. I think that would be foolish. So, <laughs> we are probably, I mean, Doug, what do you think? This podcast probably needs to shift into more of the, if you were on the site, on McCovey Chronicles website before 2009, let's say, the Giants were really bad and kind of unwatchable. But, a lot of community can come out of being bad, like we said last week. And so I kind of want to, I kind of feel like we need to switch gears with what this Croncast is going to be about. We are not sitting and watching and commenting on a team that's going somewhere. <laughs> we are commenting on a plane that might not survive a crash landing. <laughs> so. <laughs> We can Statler and Waldorf it, where we're just lobbing, you know, negative grenades and insults at them, which is fun. There's no doubt about that that can be fun. Or we can look at it as like, well, what is this, the fun stuff? What is the good stuff that we can pull out of this mess? Because there's nothing we can do other than watch. And 
we can give somewhat expert opinion because we're watching this all the time. We can take our experience of watching baseball for all the years and all the stuff we read. You know, aging curves, guys. That's that to me is the biggest tell here. As players get older, they don't get better. You know, they hit a peak and then that's the peak. And a lot of the Giants are who they are. And the Giants have gotten extremely lucky over the Brian Sabian era of squeezing that last good few months out of a player or that last good season out of a player. And we might still yet see that. A little caveat is I'm just running over you, Doug, with words. (laughs) I think Drew Stubbs was, I think Drew Stubbs was too soon because Drew Stubbs fits that mold of that guy who comes in and helps the team. And I almost feel like, oh, they called him up too soon. The first month of the season, that's more of a June, July. (laughs) That guy that comes in, it's like, oh, this also ran. And then he gets hot and then he helps the team. But that's the dire straits of the Giants. They couldn't even like kind of get by until this other guy comes in and is hot for them. So uh, so that's my, my pitch to you is we should be a little bit more like the site when the team was bad and, and kind of perversely fun to watch and to find memes and ideas <laughs> that we can carry forward. <laughs> I mean, I would say that we just need to bring Eugenio Velez back. <laughs> that Eugenio Velez is responsible for about 80% of the sense of community from McCovey Chronicles commenters who were around then. He was such a big part of that team, kind of. Also, oh, go ahead. He brought us all together. Yeah. Well, the Giants certainly have a lot of those types of players, <laughs> in theory. Um, but Barry Zito being the highest paid player and being the face of the franchise, franchise quote-unquote, so that was the, there was the perverse kind of like, let's focus on the ace's start. He's the ace <laughs> because that's what they're paying him to be. Uh, but then also being excited about the young guys who could be the building blocks for the next good team. Matt Kane was certainly the main guy. Um, can Christian Arroyo be that guy? Can Ty Block? Ty Block's pretty old. It's kind of not fair to lump him in with that. And uh, Derek Law's a reliever, so it's highly volatile. It's like, is he just going to be like a good... Uh, Tyler Walker type, Brad Hennessy type to kind of like bridge into the next good Giants team. We don't know. Um, and also Derek Law doesn't sweat profusely, which was also a good, that was a really good part of who he was. Um, <laughs> uh, Tyler Walker, I mean. So there's a, I would say just to be steely eyed or like the cold realist here, that's what's going on with the Giants. Just, to objectively look at it, there's they're financially tapped out. They've invested and committed to this team, and I I can't blame them for what they did. They thought they had they thought they could keep the good times rolling for a, for a few more years. There's nothing wrong with that line of thinking, given the ages of everyone involved and sort of how well they were doing in the farm. And maybe next year this all turns around. Maybe Brian Reynolds or whoever. There's just something that they can. Um, Christian Slater, Christian Slater, Christian Slater, yeah, Christian Slater, the actor, Christian Slater, the actor stops being a Mr. Robot, (laughs) Austin Slater, Um, you know, they have these sort of not surprises, but sort of like maybe it's a year early or whatever it is who can help them maybe next year or even late this year. But I would say given what they have and who they're committed to and who's managing the team, this is it. Are they likely to win only nine games a month? Probably not, but Let's look for the fun. 
And Doug, I have something right here. Like, we can okay. start. We don't need to be depressed here. Okay. Uh, per Andrew Baggerly's tweet on Friday night, uh, Joe Panic said Christian Arroyo is going by CA or Yo-Yo in the clubhouse. We need to work on it, he, he acknowledged. So that's the tweet. The Giants have two possibly really bad nicknames for Christian Arroyo. Number 22, who's playing at third base and is right now going to be there for probably a little while. Uh, unless the next couple weeks he slumps terribly. Now, LOLKNBR, the Twitter account, started the nickname of Boss Baby based on the horrible, horrific DreamWorks movie of, a, of an adult baby who is an MBA student or a CEO or something. I don't know. And he does, <laughs> Christian Oreo does look very young. So that, that is the gimmick. If you don't know, if you're, if you're a fan of another team listening to our podcast, thanks. But also, Christian Oreo is the Giants' top prospect, uh, offensive prospect. They called him up last week, um, and he did very well in the first four games, five games. Uh, and he needs a nickname now because he's hitting home runs and he's getting game-winning hits and he beat the Dodgers and blah, blah, blah. CA, Yo-Yo, or Boss Baby. These are all bad. And the at cafe at AT&T Park has even asked that fans come up, try to come up with a good nickname. So, Doug, I guess I pose to you right off the bat. Can we do better? Well, my first thought was uh, the only worthwhile thing about watching this shitty team but I guess nicknames shouldn't be longer than the names they're replacing. I guess I looked it up. That's a rule. The only, was it the only thing? The only worthwhile thing about watching the shitty team. So two, so toe tots. We just made it an acronym. T-O-W-W-T-A-W-T-S-T. Well, I think we can. Uh, he could be the tot, the T-O-W-T, the only worthwhile thing. Yeah. There the tot. The tot. And he's also uh, a child, basically, so it works on two <laughs> levels. That's right. Very intentional. Uh, I don't, I'm kind of at a loss here because Christian, I saw someone have Oreo con pollo. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. I'm okay with that. But uh, I think I saw Arroyolo, which I feel like we're past the YOLO part of the zeitgeist uh yo-yo is probably you know uh, maybe christ <laughs> I'm, i mean first off i think yo-yo is probably mac williams's nickname right now because uh, he keeps going up and down yeah levels yeah oh, see. Uh, i would i would imagine bochi would go with christy yo-yi 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 <laughs> yeah, yo, it went pretty good yeah. yesterday. Yeah, uh, I don't just call or just call him nickname. Nickname, yeah. <laughs> Since we cannot come up with a good one, but I, mean, nothing... I feel like the problem with doing this is that nicknames have to be organic. You know, Dwayne Kuyper didn't spend it three days thinking how should I describe how Brandon Belt runs, but we're like, and there he goes, and he looks like a baby giraffe. Yeah. It was just sort of spur of the moment, and it's kind of what he looked like. So, so I feel like we just have to let nature take its course here. And yeah, first and off, we... murder the Giants, and <laughs> then we'll find out what Arroyo's nickname is. I think we need to also, in order to do that, get past that he looks like a baby. That, to me, seems like the blockage that's preventing something natural from occurring. Right, uh, and that's, such, that's a very bad way to think, too, because that's a short-term nickname. 
And come on, man, don't waste, don't waste your energy on something that's going to last for a couple of years. I mean, Graham made a joke about uh, how his hairline is kind of Eddie Munster-ish, but it's a very young person's hairline, you know what I mean? Like, no part of it has yet to recede. Not like he's going to go bald, but like, you know, just as you get older, certain parts of it recede. And his, his, it comes, like his, the brow line or whatever, it, there, it comes down pretty far all the way around. Not like he has a widow's peak, but like hairline, there could be that. But that that is also age-dependent. So I would say, yes, let's put a – Giants fans, let's put a pin in the Christian Arroyo nickname, Sweepstakes. And let's talk about Christian Arroyo real quick. Um, he looked good for a guy coming up and is having to face Chris, uh, Clayton Kershaw right off the bat. He looks good. You've seen him a lot, though. So you tell me, did he look remarkably different? No, I mean he looked he looked pretty much the same. I saw him. I, I mean I've seen him. I saw him in Sacramento several times this year. He was always he always seemed to have a pretty good swing on the ball. You know he was hitting four fifty or whatever there. So it's hard to look bad when you're doing that. But he would he, he had power. He had some power though. Not you know he's only twenty one. So it'll more will come in time. He just he he looked like someone who could hit very well. But on the other hand, sometimes guys just hit really well for a few weeks and they look like that no matter what. So I would say that it's hard for me to come up with any definitive scouting reports other than, yeah, he, he looks good. Just because I didn't, I didn't see him that much. I didn't see what he had weaknesses with. I, I mean, I've seen him get fooled on, on off-speed pitches, but that doesn't mean he's bad with off-speed pitches. That means that you know every hitter in the history of baseball has gotten fooled on an off-speed pitch at some point. So maybe I just saw that. So uncertainty is basically what I want to preach to you about ever looking at anything on a baseball field. Sure. Well, what I saw was uh, probably the quickest bat speed on in the lineup right now. Um, and I also saw a pull hitter, which could be a problem, which will be a problem once they start just pitching him away. But I also saw... Um, I know his his front hand, like on his home run the other day, his hands kind of loaded out. He got out in front of him, like his stride and his base. It's all very professional and polished, but he definitely, if he gets into bad habits, you can see how his swing is going to go out of whack quickly, like a major league hitter. Um, He just looked kind of young, not raw. Like there was a little bit of polish if that makes any sense. Like he didn't look like he was necessarily overmatched, but you could see the seeds of he's going to have to still learn some stuff. Um, I think pitch recognition was maybe not, uh, it's, he's not Buster Posey. <laughs> I right. think that's, that's kind of the, the bigger thing. Um, but I, I would say interesting. He's definitely interesting. And uh, a guy who was a shortstop and is playing third base, he looked fine at third base. I didn't really see an issue there. Um, yeah, he, he's he's a good third baseman. He had an error the other. He had an error yesterday on what could have been maybe a foul ball, but uh, I don't know. It just seems like I'm not kind of quick to bury a, a young player for mistakes we see per, like veterans make and. He's got to still get used to timing and being comfortable and knowing who's the quickest, how much time he has, blah, blah, blah. So I would say for the first week for Christian Arroyo coming up, not being Buster Posey, but also I would say this was a pretty darn good 
uh, debut for for this kid. Yeah, I like, think so. Let's see the uh, what the Giants expected. This this has to have exceeded that expectation slightly. Yeah, I mean it's two home two homers in one week. The Giants <laughs> haven't hit two homers as a team all year. Right. Don't don't check that. Right. Please. But also, you know, whether or not you'd say he looked overmatched against Clayton Kershaw, I mean, he didn't entirely, no more than any other Giants hitter. And some sort of, like, the impudence of youth of him just kind of swinging madly at the stuff and and sort of that I'm not afraid way, which could also be construed as I don't know any other way (laughs) of of a blade approach. But, yeah, I mean, it it was great. It basically – out of all the things that happened this week for the Giants, that was probably better than the three measly wins they got. Was that he came up and did not look terrible? Yeah, he came up and he had he had big hits in a few situations, and he was interesting. And yeah. oh my god, the Giants need something interesting right now. I yeah. oh my god, <laughs> this team is they're they are so boring most of the time, and they desperately need Christian Arroyo. Because at least you can look forward to what he does. Right. Uh, and, of course, TBD on the nickname, which is totally fine. And he may not even stay up. Uh, he may not even stay up for the entire month. If things go poorly, Brandon Crawford's coming back off the DL or from the bereavement list. And, uh, you know, so who knows? But very, very nice. Very good. Um, also interesting, we need to talk about, we need to talk about Matt Kane being good again. Uh, I don't know what to think about this, Doug. I feel like we, first of all, need to acknowledge that uh, this is a good thing. That's right off the bat. Matt Cain being good is a good thing. He hasn't been good in about five years. And yeah. that's kind of staggering to say. And he very much, out of you know, over the last 10 years, is one of the faces of the Giants. He was the first prospect to be the hope for the next good team sort of after Barry Bonds and all the, that success from 97 to 2004, like, okay, Matt Cain's going to be the next guy. He's going to maybe be the guy that helps us win a world series and all that came to be. So that was also sort of the interest. The the cool part about Matt Cain is watching him being that kid and who was, who had no one interviewing him at the table (laughs) Uh, the famous photo of Matt Cain being all alone while everyone's swarming Barry Bonds. No, no, they were swarming Mark Sorry, Sweeney. That's right, Mark because, Sweeney. Uh, Mark Barry Bonds said he got some something from Mark Sweeney's locker, which made him fail a drug test. <laughs> so thank you for that. Uh, so that that would you know Matt Cain as is near and dear to the hearts of many Giants fans, especially on McCovey Chronicles as well. You know, big deal. There was a lot of, there's also teeth gnashing and fingernails or a lot of fighting also about young Matt Cain not actually being as good. And so he shouldn't be the future. And that's what's going to happen, folks, for you young folks. There's going to be a lot of people like that. I might be one of them (laughs) (laughs) who are basically looking at the next set of giants who might help this team be successful. There's going to be people immediately being like, no, they're not. No, they're not. No, they're not. Here's why. Here's why. Matt Cain was the first guy people were finding his his ex-fip and they were looking at the peripherals or like applying these sort of outrageous eyeball tests to him. He doesn't have overpowering stuff, blah, 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 blah. 
And for people like that, and I was one of those people for a little while, once we came to understand what Matt Cain was doing with what he had, he was very clear why he was such a successful pitcher and why he confounded the, the metrics and all that stuff. He had a lot of run and tail on his, on his fastball, so he was trying to get pop-ups. He was trying to jam hitters, and he wasn't a strikeout pitcher, which I think when you're a rebuilding team, that's what you're looking for, right? You're looking for the Kerry Woods. You're looking yeah. for the David Prices. You're looking for those exciting guys that are just going to come light it all up. So Matt Cain is good, right? <laughs> well, I mean. Record we, scratch. <laughs> record scratch. So, I mean, we have seen Matt Cain look good before. In fact, the, the second half of 2013, Matt Cain looked great. And then he came back in 2014 and he was not. The, there were there were stretches last year. Maybe not. I don't know if he had four starts in a row last year that were good, but he he had three. Uh, one, he had three. He had two. A few times where you would look at him, and we said this on the Croncast last year. We're like, well, Jake Peavy is garbage, but Matt Kane looks good. And then Matt Kane was not good, so he he could be fooling us. You know his. Now, the good news for him is that, and this is this is sort of backhanded good news, but since his FIP and XFIP are much higher than his ERA right now, really we can take comfort in that because that's how it always was when he was good. That's right. <laughs> it was always, you know, an ERA of like 290, a FIP of 390, and a FIP of 415. And this right now he has an ERA of 230, a FIP of 380, and an XFIP of 432. So, you know what? I think he's back. He's back. Well, as Grant pointed out or mentioned, this is potentially a 2012 Barry Zito situation who started off the season pitching well (laughs) and then was not on the roster or and then was like demoted and then became the Giants emergency eventually. Uh, And a pretty amazing story when you think about it. But... um, Matt Cain used to struggle against the the Dodgers and had a good start against the Dodgers, which is very surprising. Um, and by game score, it's so far his best start of the season. And I'm probably wrong about this, but I think historically he's done okay against the Padres. He's faced them twice this year, and he's not. They've really worked him pretty well. So uh, it's such a small no, sample it, size. It, it was a start. His second start, the start he just had against the Padres, is pretty good. It wasn't a long. Well, I'm just saying they they worked him. They high pitch counts. Yes, he had seven strikeouts and only gave up a run, but he also six hits and threw 86 pitches in five innings. Um, but I would say that yeah, he's looked he's looked really good, like we were saying last year. But mainly, I guess he's using a two seam fastball even more. And uh, I would say. It, this might be a situation where he's feeling comfortable enough and he's having some success and it's leading to just more confidence overall. Yeah. And, I mean, that's, that that's entirely work. possible. Yeah. It's, you know, Mike Kruger likes to talk about pitchers beating off success and that could be what he's doing. And, you know, I only want to believe good things about Matt Cain more than pretty much anyone on the Giants right now. I well, will why? Excuses for well, Matt why? why is that? Well, because he has that history, because he was the guy who in you know 2005 was the only hope in the farm system, and he came up, and he was actually good, 
and then he was good and the team didn't support him. And so people would complain about him. So he also felt like the underdog in addition to still being good. And then he got better and the team won two World Series. And then he got much worse and the team won another World Series. And just the whole time you're sitting there going, Matt Kane. <laughs> and also he's the giant who looks the most like me. <laughs> so that's a big part of it. Um, I mean, just it's five starts, but I mean that for a five start stretch of his to start off the season, I mean, it's, it's good. It's probably one of his, in his giants career, it's, it's definitely among his best five start stretches um, that you could say. I mean, it's not anything to sneeze at. You go down the line, you know, it was that he pitched the only two away games he's pitched was in San Diego and in Kansas city. And in my estimation, Kansas city leans hitters, but I, cause it's so big, but I guess because it's so big, it's actually more statistically a, a neutral or pitcher lean slight pitching. I can't remember, but Kansas City is also struggling quite a bit offensively. So, you know, the San Diego start was sort of the that opening start of the season in what is either a fair or maybe it leans a little more pitching park. When he was getting lit up there, that's when I was like, uh-oh, this is like Barry Zito. But, you know, Arizona at home and doing okay against them because Arizona's a pretty good offensive team away from Chase Field as well. But then he went into Kansas City, and he could have been hit hard, but he handled a struggling offensive team, which is great. He's always struggled against the Dodgers, but even though it was at home, he did okay. He did fine. Six, six strong innings, no runs, only two hits. Uh, and then against the Padres, you know, seven strikeouts and gave up six hits uh, at AT&T Park. I, I, I would say as a fourth or fifth starter, this is a... a you could not ask for a better fifth start start or start by your fifth starter. No, just fact, look at it I, that would, way. I would ask for starts this good from the Giants second, third and fourth starters. So, <laughs> I mean, if Jeff Samarja were pitching like this, it would make his contract tolerable. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe Matt Kane is back. Uh, his next starts going to be against Cincinnati. So that's going to be an interesting, um, <laughs> That's going to be interesting because he's going to be in Cincinnati where uh, the Reds have done very well against the Giants. Like, suspiciously well against the Giants. <laughs> um, and we'll, so we'll see. It'll be a good test, though, because that is a down team. And uh, if he just goes in and gets lit up, it will be both not a surprise but also a disappointment. Wait, does that make sense? It will <laughs> be not surprising if he's lit up, but it will still be disappointing. That, that's where I'm getting at. Uh, especially if it's like the, he gets lit up for seven runs in the first three innings and the Giants don't score any runs, that'll just be infuriating. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but he, oh, by the way, as we're wrapping up our discussion about Matt Cain, just, you know, let's just, let's just be clear about it. Five innings, one run, leaves with a lead, bullpen blows it, pretty good caning. Like six out of oh, ten. Fantastic. Like a, in a historic caning, too, where you had two pitchers come in and were both – as you said, did you say Glenn Mazarad? <laughs> it was Mazarad. Ben Mazarad. Yeah, uh, yeah, Neil Mazzara. Ramirez yeah. got Mazarad. Yes. <laughs> that is exactly what happened. Um, and, you know, Chris Stratton followed up his great Coors Field thing with a bad, with a very bad outing. 
But I think we both mentioned, like, he did get away with some stuff in Colorado. And it, he did not get away with that stuff <laughs> against the Padres. Um, which, who, who, the Padres have the Giants number. They have a bunch of uh, Rule 5 guys and, a, and basically a AAA team and Will Myers. And that is enough to confound the Giants. That's, that's enough to beat the Giants. Um, you know, Matt Cain's getting fly ball outs, which, of course, AT&T Park helps him quite a bit. Um, but that is when he's doing his best. So, yeah, I mean, it's great to see it. Um, if this is his last good year, he's also not... Uh, sorry to kind of kill the conversation in this bad way, but, I mean, like, he's 32 years old. In theory, he should have four or five more years pitching. In theory. Um, uh, Glenn, or Dwayne, Glenn, Dwayne Kuyper made the point, like, you know, as, as the end of, his, of Matt Cain's career. And, and then he kind of went back and said, like, I didn't mean to say it was the end of his career. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, I'm sure he'd be mad to hear that, uh, that he has, you know, he's, I'm sure he feels he still has a lot to give. And if you just look at it just on paper, the last five years should have knocked him out of baseball. Really, <laughs> or he shouldn't be get, being. We all question this. So, if this is his last chance or his last year with the Giants, I mean, he owes it to himself only. But I mean, it's it'd be good to see him end his Giants career on a high note. I can't really think of an equivalent because usually when you're a Giant, you tend to end your baseball career with them, and it's not usually on a high note. It's right. very rare. Uh, so. Hats off to you, Matt Cain, uh, who is definitely the first big, like you said, he was the main guy from McCovey Chronicles to like build momentum to the next winning team. And he brought so much joy over the years. The perfect game aside, I mean, even if the perfect game had never happened, there's plenty of Matt Cain stuff. To me, one of the greatest things about Matt Cain and McCovey Chronicles is uh, Sean Gothman's Death Star, Millennium Falcon explosion, <laughs> Matt Cain image. Because it's the perfect Matt Cain image. It is exactly what it feels like when Matt Cain just goes in and, and shuts a team down and looks great doing it. And he is very Giants. He's a very Giants pitcher. Not quite Rick Russell or anything, but he doesn't overpower you. But he just shuts a team down. He just gets out and in a, in a very unsexy way. Yeah. It's a very Giants pitcher way of getting through life. <laughs> Uh, so I, I mean let's talk about the guy who does mow down teams in sort of the more classic approach and I mentioned this before but I do want to pitch it throw it out there again for you Doug Bumgarner does not need surgery he's got a grade 2 sprain in his shoulder which is means there is some tearing there is some structural damage but it's not severe enough to warrant surgery it's one of those just shut it down rub some dirt on it give it some rest and rest alone is what's going to heal it. But he won't be back for a couple months. And I think it's more like he'll, he won't be able to resume baseball activities for two months and then they'll reevaluate and he'll need at least a month of getting back into, you know, doing baseball activities before he's ready to pitch. So basically three months since the giants are not likely to improve over a nine and 17 record. Um, do you think he should be rushed back? Is it worth this conversation? Um, he should, should he be rushed back? No. I mean, he's not, it's not something that you're going to jeopardize his health to, you know, his long-term health to help this team. This isn't a 
Kurt Schilling with the 2004 Red Sox, Rob Nen with the 2002 Giants, and a situation where you know they're hurt, but they need to push through it to maybe help the team win the championship. Obviously worked out for one of them. Definitely the one we all don't regret. Uh, it <laughs> worked before. But at the same time, he should come back. And the reason he should come back is you don't have that long to play baseball. So, I mean, if, if he's healthy, yeah, he should be playing. He should be out on the field. He should be competing like he wants to, like, like, like it will entertain people. Because baseball should not be a garbage pastime. It, sh- it should be something where you watch really great athletes compete. And Madison Bumgarner is one of the best on the planet. And so it's to say he, sh- you know, he should be back this year. Um, and it's not to say that you know the Giants are going to rush him through their rehab. I don't, I don't know that they really do that. I don't know that they have put a lot of guys out there um, who, whose health they were jeopardizing, other than maybe Marco Scudero in 2014. But um, but I, I do want to see him again. I want to see what he looks like this year. I want to see sort of who he is now. And I'm sure that, and you know, hopefully there are any setbacks, hopefully, et cetera, et cetera. But I think it's fun to watch Madison Mumgarner yell and throw baseballs and get real ornery in situations where you're like you're being kind of an idiot, Madison. And I want to see that this year, just because it's fun to watch him pitch. And most years, you're not your team is not going to win the World Series, so you have to take those pleasures where you can. And so that's that's a big part of watching baseball. That's a great point. I mean, and also glibly. <laughs> If he comes back and he blows out his elbow or the shoulder is a problem and he's only able to hit 86, 88 or whatever, first of all, on the surgery front, great, because then they'll find out now and he'll miss just all of next year instead of going into next year and missing all of next year and the following year, 2019, that would be a target date. But if he comes back, I feel like they'd know what they'd have. We'd all know what what he's going to be going forward. Um I don't know. I think anytime a pitcher injures his pitching shoulder, and I'm I'm sure there are a dozen examples where it's like it's okay. It doesn't like going forward. Maybe Adam Wainwright's one of those guys. I can't remember. Chris Carpenter. Chris Carpenter is one of those guys. I'm sure there are a dozen, dozen examples where it's like this has happened before, and the pitchers come back and has eventually. And Madison Bumgarner is under thirty. I mean, he's twenty seven. I mean, he's young. It's not impossible for him to heal and come back 90% of what he was. But there's also the more likelihood is some element of him is not going to quite be the same. And that'll be interesting to see what happens because it's it's just not how you expected that how his career was going to end. He's a pitcher. You, I expected his arm was just going to give out. The way he throws and the way he competes, at some point he was going to something like this was going to happen. But now this is like an unforced error, essentially. And uh, and to see how he recovers and what's there is going to be interesting. I mean, there's no way the Giants don't pick up his next two options. Um, but it's, it'll just be interesting to see what happens after that. So I think I'm, I'm in that mode, Doug, because I don't think, even if Madison Bumgarner, let's say he comes back and he's 100%, I don't think the team behind him is going to be very good for the next couple of years. And so to me, there's almost that idea of like, so what does it matter? You know, that's, that's where I'm coming at it from. And watching those pleasures is okay. But if he's losing 
three to nothing all the time or three to one all the time, it's not going to be that fun. It's just not. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but I think that's a. I think August is probably the more realistic target. I think right now they're thinking after the All Star break, but I would say August would just make the most sense at the August at the earliest. Because um, what, what well, is yeah, so well, what they said was two. It'll be two months before we can resume baseball activities. That they said that though a week or so ago. So by the and then end about of, a week and then about a week of of rehab. Yeah, of, but, of by, but by the end of June, he'll be ready to start throwing again. And, you know, so um, let's say a month. So end of saying, July. August 1st. Bring him back August 1st. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, if the Giants are 10 games out in July, what what is the difference between waiting the extra, like, slow cooking it? Really? You know, and you're not playing for anything. Also... There was one thing I saw uh, that said that because he's pitching in San Francisco and the weather's a little bit cooler, it actually, I don't know why, I didn't go any deeper into this, but it's better that he's pitching in a more mild or moderate climate for a shoulder than if he's pitching in, in like Atlanta or something. I don't exactly know why why heat or cold has any bearing on that. Someone can chime in in the comments. <laughs> no one ever comments. Uh, but, you know, you can always let us know uh, separately. But I would say, coming back in August, I mean, literally, there's a saying called the dog days of August, and it's when things are hot and humid, and some of the most famous his, uh, collapses in Giants history have come when, like, they're just hot and humid and sweating the entire month of August. 1999, to me, is, like, the most famous one, where they're, like, in Cincinnati, and they're, like, sweating their body weight off, and they're playing Atlanta in August, and, like, all this other stuff. So, if heat has some bearing on the shoulder... I don't know. I have no idea. But basically, once a pitcher's shoulder gets hurt, I'm basically like, nope, they're done. <laughs> so, that's that's my my view on on baseball. It's uh, it's a lot easier to emotionally detach when detach when things like that happen. Which is why when Matt came and they just said he needed surgery to remove bone chips, I was optimistic, right? Because I'm like, that is not a that's not a is a is not Tommy John surgery. And in theory, he's going to have a better range of motion, which could lead to an elbow injury because some stuff that's that is is weakened, he hasn't been using as much. You know what I mean? Um, but I just thought, oh, less pain, and it's not it's not Tommy John. Boy, was I wrong about that. So, <laughs> I, I would say that uh, I think when when people were saying though that that taught us. So when people were yes. saying Tim Lincecum just needs a minor hip surgery and he'll be throwing ninety two again. And we were like, no, just sort of yeah. unanimously not going to happen. And it didn't happen. And that's actually really sad. But I'm speaking about it in a cheery voice. <laughs> well, I mean, it's pretty simple. Hip surgery, always bad. Yeah. Uh, if anytime you've got a hip problem, okay, see you later. Shoulder problem, really, see you later. And, and Matt Kane again, to me, was like the exception for the elbow thing. Because usually you hear elbows, okay, that's it. But if you're just removing parts that are causing pain, to me that was like, oh, you're removing the pain. All right, there's no other damage otherwise. But and look, Matt Kane is still pitching. He has been pitching since then, and um, he's still able to hit 92 with his fastball, which we know that's not where he lives. And he's, but he really is only 32. Okay, we talked about Matt Kane quite a bit, but Matt Kane is worth the conversation. And to be honest, since we started this Croncast. The only stuff we talked about, Matt Cain, has been crap. 
<laughs> so it's good to talk positively about him. And he really has, in more flashes than last year and previously, has looked like the Matt Cain of old. So I hope it is more Death Star Millennium Falcon Matt Cain. <laughs> uh, what is... <laughs> What has what we've been seeing a lot this past month, though, is sort of classic Brandon Belt streakery, which has caused all the people surrounding the Giants, including KMBR radio hosts who have a huge audience across the state of California, uh, to just crap on Brandon Belt, who is one of the Giants' best hitters, if he's not the best hitter. Um, but he's being disparaged again, Brian Murphy, not me, on KMBR. Basically, it was like Brandon Belt's failing this team. And we need to talk about that Brandon Belt's been bad. And every year, it's the same It's the same thing. He had his second hit of the game on Friday or Saturday. And, and, and Kuiper said, hey, Brandon Belt seems like he's figuring it out. Starting to figure it out again. He gets the most scrutiny. I'm missing Mike Kruko talking about Brandon Belt needs to make adjustments. Brandon Belt's... 20 he's been with the team forever he's 28 you know it's like it's every year it's the same it's the same thing it's kind of like with politics and campaigns there's just always that time every year like oh oh, the october surprise or oh there's this there's this uh mild controversy that this person said or something from their past and every year for the giants it's that eight hitters cannot hit but we're gonna focus on brandon bell (laughs) why why I don't understand it. Why does Brandon Bell get the scrutiny, Doug? I, I don't know. I mean, in a lot of ways, he fails the eye test fairly often. He I, is I, the number one culprit. Yeah. He is the he looks the worst when he's in his hitless. Right. Like uh, yesterday's game, he went over five with four strikeouts. He could have caught the ball that Arroyo made the error on, but he didn't. I mean, he looked real bad. Like it's the sort of thing that that almost made me want to call into KNBR and be and just be like, trade him. <laughs> but then I realized I'm I'm a functional human being with a brain, so I was like, actually, it was just a bad game that people have sometimes, and maybe he needs to make an adjustment. But he was literally the Giants' best hitter last year, so he should probably still be on the team if I want the team to ever be good. And, you know, if he gets criticism for how he plays in left field, he's not a left fielder. And the Giants have had five-plus years to figure out, play him in left field more, essentially. And the Giants have said, just like why Buster Posey, they're like on the fence about him at first base. He's better at his his position. He's a better first baseman than a left fielder. And um, I don't... Also, he's faced a lot of left-handed pitching this past week, which is when all the criticism jumped up. And you don't see a lot of other hitters getting the same level of criticism when it is lefty-lefty. To the other hitters' credit, and I guess I'm thinking of Joe Panic here, Joe Panic has looked okay. you know, Or he's at least had long at-bats. But Brandon Belt's able to work walks and do this or that. And I think it just comes from first baseman still has the classic, you have to be a 30-40 home run guy. And so Brandon Belt, unfairly, still gets that thrown on him. But he is still the best hitter on the team. He really is. And I don't see Buster Posey, who, and I'm, I'm saying his name harshly, but I, it's not a personal thing because we haven't even gotten to the death watch, Doug. <laughs> but 
you know, Brandon, neither Brandon Belt nor Buster Posey are players who could carry an offense. And yet, the organization and the front and the fan base, as stoked by the organization because they have an ownership stake in Cambiar, uh, you know, and they have the, the news groups that are covering them, and they give comments, make statements. They say, well, we have a great first baseman. We have a great catcher. They should be carrying the offense. It belies what they really are. It really does. I mean, Brandon Belt, what's what's the best way of comparing Brandon Belt? Brandon Belt is the Oakland A's player from the early 2000s. Of like... High strikeouts, high walks, gets on base really well, has some power. Yeah. And hits a lot of doubles, um, plays good defense, and draws and just draws walks. It, it, he is an incredibly valuable player. And he is a if, – if he wasn't on the Giants tomorrow, I promise you, you would notice within two weeks how much worse the Giants are. I always thought it would be kind of fun to propose trading him for Joey Votto. Just straight <laughs> up. Just to see. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> It would be very interesting to see. It would be very, I mean, they're similar players, but I mean, what Vado has in power, he lacks in defense, and you know, Belt has better defense. Yeah, and uh, not quite as much power. Um, I just, I think it's, uh, I think it's a low blow when people like Brian Murphy out there kind of take shots at Brandon Belt. Um, I think he gets, you know. It's not even one of those too much to what uh, much is given, much is expected. It's he was never christened. He was always harshly scrutinized. Yeah, he he was never anointed and then disappointed. He always was this kid's supposed to be good, and then he never lived up to some sort of ridiculous expectations. But it wasn't an anointment. It wasn't it wasn't Buster Posey like Buster Posey will save us, and then he came up and he saved us. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Uh, it was a high degree of skepticism. And I think that there are so many other things. I, here's what he is, Doug. I've, I've now figured out a way to condense it to one word. He is the organization's shield from criticism. Yeah, just it's all his fault. You know, Some, if they can't hit, oh, belt. All belt. Yeah. We didn't do jack crap about left field, and we put our faith in Denard Spann, who had hip surgery. And is in his 30s and Hunter Pence whose skills are clearly de- declining and we said it's okay because we have Brandon Belt <laughs> and that that I think that's what it is I think Brandon Belt is he's doing everything he can within his skill set and the Giants as an organization the reason why they are successful is because they help players become the best version of themselves and I think they have helped Brandon Belt become the best version of who he is. And unfortunately, he's not a 30-40 home run hitter. But you know what? The Giants haven't drafted 30 or 40 home run hitters. In fact, when they see a 30 home run hitter possibility in the draft, they tuck tail and they run as far away as they possibly can. No, they, they think, take him and then they don't develop him. I mean, they see the well, potential, they they see potential think, in like a Chris Dominguez or in, you know, more in terms of someone still in the system, Chris Shaw. But then those guys have holes in their swing. Jared Parker. If Jared Parker could make contact ever, 
he and you know obviously be healthy this year. He could hit he could hit 30, 35 homers. He had easy power, but he just he has those holes in his swing. They they say we're going to try to fix them, but they don't. It's it's tough to develop power hitters for the Giants. The Giants are worse at it. I don't think it's a matter of drafting. I think it's development. Uh, I think it's just I, well. It might be a matter of drafting the wrong guys. It might be a matter of poor player development in terms of just power. Um, we don't really have a way to know, but they have tried, and it just has never worked. Well, I keep going back to sort of consensus ideas and mainly the Giancarlo Stanton idea, but you're you're right. I mean, just the fact that the Giants haven't even been able to do the whole broken clock being twice or being right twice a day or just accidentally running into a power hitter. Um, I think it's, you know, they used to have more luck with that on the free agent circuit. And I would say Morse was sort of that. He only really had, he only had 16 home runs that year. Uh, it wasn't like he was this huge boon power wise, but he was a guy that they looked at and like, we need power and they got lucky. Not quite in the Ellis Burks mold uh, or any, or even Jose Cruz Jr. was, was that, um, I would I would just say you know Brandon Belt, first baseman, a, a good hitting first baseman. The fan base expects that that is going to translate into he's Will Clark. He's going to hit thirty home runs, or he's JT Snow. Which JT Snow, having the legacy of somehow being a power hitter, is very funny. Right. <laughs> you hit one, because, one homer off yeah. Armando Benitez. Yeah, but I mean, he had twenty four home runs one year at AT and T Park, and <laughs> the last. Giants hitter to have 24 home runs in AT&T Park was Buster Posey. That's yeah. it, I think. So, you know, you look at that and you go, well, what's going on here? And is Brandon Belt is who he is. And he's never going to hit 30 home runs. He's probably never even going to hit 20 home runs. That might be an accident. But you know what I think, Doug? The best way for him to hit 20 home runs is, is if he has other good hitters around him. <laughs> and Buster Posey and Brandon Crawford uh, are good hitters. But are they... Are they really great hitters? And, you know, Hunter Pence, the sort of ceiling that he had. Hunter Pence is never going to be that 25 home run hitter guy again just because of age and injury. So I think that's – I'm just going to get back to this. Brandon Belt is the excuse the organization is using, has put out as a PR thing to deflect criticism. That's it. You're free to disagree, everybody. Doug, you're free to disagree. But I don't see any other logical reason why he gets so unfairly treated. Unfairly maligned. I I would I, I don't know that it's it's quite that. I think it's just not logical. I think they see him and they think instead of appreciating him for being not only for being as good as he is, but also for being kind of the best hitter on the team, they see him and they think he should be better. And here's the way. And they're wrong and they're just not gonna stop being wrong. Yeah. I mean I guess if it was to prove my point, they would do a lot more sinister sort of like when Brandon Belt is going well, the Giants offense is going well. Like they would try to kind of insinuate that a little bit more and they don't really. Uh, but, you know, I think he does. It's strange that every year Mike Kruko takes time out of his 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 hits, his radio hits to shit on Brandon Belt. <laughs> he does it every year, every year, uh, every year. And Mike Kruko is a weak man right now, but he has the strength to shit talk Brandon Bell. So that's an interesting, interesting thing that he's got going on. But let's talk about Kruko a little bit more. Uh, not in a negative way. He said something funny on Friday night. He said, Mike Kruko said that getting hit hard, hit by a hard sinker. Uh, in this case, it was Luis Perdomo uh, throwing for the Padres. 
hitting, getting hit by a hard sinker is the worst pitch to get hit by. Um, and in that case, Hunter Pence's jersey just got nicked. So <laughs> Kruko was basically saying, like, it's good that he didn't get hit by that because it would have really hurt to get hit by a sinker. So, Doug, I kind of wanted to get into kind of a game and be like, let's rank the pitches in order of worst to get hit by. Okay. And let's take Kruko at face value and say uh, getting hit by a hard sinker is probably the worst. Like, getting hit by, like, I'm thinking right now Doug Fister or, or Guerin's sinker. Uh, those are the ones that come to mind right away. Those would be those would be painful. Heavy sinkers to get hit by. Max Scherzer's two-seam fastball kind of is like a sinker, I think. You know, those would hurt. So I would say... Let's leave that at number one unless we come up with something better. Uh, I don't know what how many pitches we want to go. Let's just think of five. I know there's more than five pitch types, which is like top five. Okay. So uh, we're probably not going to cover knuckleballs in this one. Well, I would say knuckleballs and curveballs probably fall under the the least painful pitches right. to get hit by. Yeah. Um, uh, so they don't count. So, for, so, so for now, hold on. I just want to be clear. So for now, number one is is a, is a sinker. We could knock it off if we talked about it, but let's say a sinker. So here's the thing. I've never been hit with a 92-mile-an-hour sinker, and I've never been hit with a 98-mile-an-hour fastball. So I don't know which one of those would hurt more. Um, Mike Kruko says it's it's the sinker, I'm assuming. That's the meaning of what he said. Yes. Um, he didn't compare. I think he just was implying because of the sink and how it bores in on you and how it's spinning that it hurts more, but I don't know why a 98 mile an hour fastball right at you wouldn't hurt. <laughs> Especially since like, uh, so yeah, the, but that he didn't compare. So go ahead. Um, and then I would say there's also kind of the, let, let's say the Rob Nin slider. I don't know who has that kind of slider right now, but the really hard slider with a ton of movement, that seems mm-hmm. like that'd be fairly similar to the Brian Shaw, Brian Shaw. Does he? Brian Shaw is a really nasty slider. Okay. Um, but that seems like it's similar, just... especially if you're, you know, if you're a left-hander and it just bores right in on you the way that, yeah. you know, we're assuming kind of the sinker would hit a righty, I guess. We should ask Nate Scherholtz what it's like <laughs> to get hit by a slider. And he's like, like, I don't know, I was I swinging. at it every time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd say a slider. Uh, definitely. It's got the same principle. Uh, of that, but I can also picture a slider to a righty. Like that seems like it would chew up some wrists. I would yeah. say getting hit on the wrist in any way would be really bad. Like a ninety-four mile an hour fastball off the wrist would probably break your wrist. Yeah. Um, all right, let's put sliders definitely in the top five. Like a, a hard slider definitely in there. Or it doesn't have to be a, sli- a hard slider because hard sliders tend to have that downward break to them. At least when I think of them. But you're talking about like just a really strong power slider. Yeah. Okay, yeah, um, I would. That's definitely in the top five. And let's. I guess no. there's the uh, the the hard splitter. That just seems like it could be a crotch hunter, but I don't know. That's an ankle. That's an ankle foot. Yeah, that's an ankle. Yeah, foot. we should factor. We should definitely factor that in where it would hit you. So like, like the that, sliders that can, are probably break a shin. Yeah. So like a Randy Johnson back foot slider, though. Yeah. That's no good. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be hit by anything Randy Johnson threw. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to be hit by like a pillow he threw at me. But like, <laughs> not fun at slumber parties was Randy Johnson. The one he was invited to. <laughs> That's uh, right. It's actually on his Hall of Fame plaque. 
But like Taiwan Walker has a really hard, heavy looking fastball and Buster Posey took it in the head. Yeah. And I don't know if it was a, it wasn't a two seamer. It's like a 94, 95, 96 mile an hour four seamer. And that's really hard. And Randy Johnson, he didn't, did he have a two seamer? No, it was just a power nine. It was like a four seam fastball. They just would power by you. Uh, Kurt Schilling, 96 mile an hour four seam fastball. Those are nasty ones. Yeah. You get hit you get hit anywhere with those. You know, Matt Kane when he hit David Wright in the head, that was a ninety two to ninety four mile an hour fastball. That was a four seamer. So let's talk about the four seam fastball. Which to me, pound for pound, would do the most damage. Right. I mean that's what that's kind of what we were saying before about, you know, ninety eight as a regular fastball versus ninety two with a sinker. But again, we are trying to apply it to like body. Yeah. How, will, how, where, and how it will hit you. But that's the thing: a four-seam fastball feels like it can hit you anywhere. Yeah, that'll just come in. That'll come in wherever it comes in. Um, I feel like a, a sinker is necessarily going to be from like the navel down. Yeah, and a, a four-seamer would probably not be on the wrist. That that you'd probably be able to get out of the way of. Um, so in some right. ways, it'd be easier because it's way more likely to hit the back or or you know the ass or something that's just. It'll, it'll hurt, but you'll be able to watch it. It's a that center out. mass. It's like a bullet, though. It's a center mass thing. Yeah. If it hits you in the center mass, you're going to really hurt. But, I mean, you get, hip, you get hit, on the hit on the hip, let's say, by a sinker or a 98-mile-an-hour fastball, you're having hip surgery. <laughs> it's, that's not a pleasant feeling. Yeah. Uh, my bet is still the 98-mile-an-hour fastball is going to hurt you the most. It seems like it. So we've got three on the list. We've got the sinker, 98 and the slider. Um, and so we've got two more slots, but 98 is number one, we're saying now. Yeah. Sinker, probably number two, and slider's three. But it seems like the, the distance between all three of those, maybe number one is, is, seems like a bigger gap between one and two than it is between two and three. Yeah, I think so. I think that's... I, I would... That's out. And I'll also say, like, a cutter would probably hurt, depending on what A cutter would hurt squat. quite a bit, yeah. is what I was kind of thinking of. And that would also that would also be another one that pours in on you. Maybe a little bit less than, than a, a two-seamer would. But it would, you know, it would just be a little bit of movement. So if you tried to protect yourself, it would hit you in a bit of a different spot than you might expect. So that could be, that could be a pain. I also think a, a cutter is more painful because it's going to break your bat more often than not. And that's going to hurt your hands. That's going to be uncomfortable. That's going to hurt. It's good. It's so cutters can hurt you even when they don't hit you. Yeah. Uh, I might put that ahead of a slider of a hard slider. I think that makes sense. I think that also cutters come in harder than a slider. So, yeah. Uh, so that would be three then. Yeah. Uh, we're still going to go with the sinker, which I would also say, let's throw the two seamer in there. Yeah, sinker and two-seamer are pretty much the same yeah. thing, right? Pretty similar. Yeah, we'll, we'll say it's pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Uh, which leaves one more spot, which <laughs> could be a lot of things. Um, we've, we've ruled out curveball. We've ruled out knuckleball. <laughs> we ruled out changeup. Yeah. I mean, what, what's uh, there left? Splitter? Splitter? Uh, I was trying to think of um, like a knuckle curve, but... Probably not. No, that's just um, that's just a curveball with you know your finger in a bit of a different place. I would say anything that bores in on you is probably going to hurt you the most. But I mean, I think we've got it covered. Maybe maybe the top 
maybe the top five has this breakdown between sinker and two seamer. Yeah, that's possible. Because the sinker breaks bats too more often than not. You know, you get a if you're a right-handed hitter and they're pitching you a sinker away that breaks back towards the plate, which a two seamer can do. But if you've got a, a heavy sinker, let's say you're gonna break your bat, that's gonna hurt. So I, I don't know. Uh, I feel like I'm missing a pitch though. Is what I'm was was kind of dragging this out to. Uh, <laughs> felt like there was one more pitch, something maybe like you Darvish throws or or something like that, but. I mean, I don't think I don't think a, a fork ball or a gyro ball is really gonna be in this mix. No, no. Or, or so a screw ball. So Jenny Baker. Jenny Baker's got something to say. But to, to be fair, you're definitely more likely to be right about the sinker. And I, I mean, I guess to jerks like us, how wrong could how right could we possibly be, having never played the game, man? <laughs> About Brandon Belt, I mean. Uh, all right. Now is the time where we answer your Twitter questions. And I think there are a lot this week. There are. This is a long Croncast. Cron this is a long Croncast. Uh, so I'd say the first question, and we're going to start with questions that came before we even asked for them, because we appreciate okay. that. Yes. First one came from Steve Svensson, and he said... Uh, I'm setting the over/under on Posey's RBIs this season at 75. Are you taking the over or the under? Under. Uh, under. I'm taking the under on Giants base runners for the rest of the year at 75. So, <laughs> I think this is a kind of a natural one. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I actually kind of predict another DL stint for Buster Posey. Of course you do. <laughs> Um, I don't see how he gets to 75. No, it's tough to see with this offense struggling the way it is. If Joe Panic continues at leadoff like he has been, what, twice so far this year and been very good both times, then Posey has a chance, but he needs to display more power um, to really have a reasonable shot at it, I think. I mean, I don't think Buster Posey is going to draw, just going to drive in a lot of runs because he's, mm -hmm. he's a singles hitter, hitter now. And so I just don't see that he's going to be able to get, you know, doubles and home runs is how you really drive those RBI totals up. And I just don't see him doing that. Um, so that's where I'm at. It would be a really bad season for him, though. It would be. If that was the case. But it's a really bad season for everyone. That's right. All right, what's next? Next comes from Rob Hayner at Robert Hayner. He asked, what would, the be what would be the best superpower by a baseball player? I'd say Zach Morris's timeout power. That's <laughs> like if every time he stepped out of the batter's box or called time. <laughs> what? He just froze time. I mean, I feel like you could, you know, if you're playing shortstop, right, and somebody hits a grounder up the middle, you go, timeout, you run over, <laughs> get the ball, kind of kind of toss it to first base, <laughs> do time in, and then it's an out. It's like a perfect game guaranteed, you know, a lot of the time. There's probably going to be some homers given up, but... If not, everything's an out. I think for baseball, the best superpower to have would be uh, Wolverine's regenerative power. <laughs> you would never tire in an at-bat, or if you're a pitcher, you'll never get injured. Now, you'd have to probably be good to begin with. Like, if I had that power and tried to play baseball, it's like 50-mile-an-hour fastballs are not going to get me drafted. 
But, you know, if, if uh, Madison Bumgarner, you know, just walked away from that because he had super healing and was going to pitch forever because his arm would never get, it would never deteriorate. That to me seems like, and you'd have the time in between pitches to regenerate. You know what I mean? Like even in an at-bat, you'd, you'd be fresh as fresh every time. You could take batting practice and then you'd get right back out there. Um, I mean, that that's true. That's a good point. I don't know that that's, I don't know if that makes you a great player, though. You have to already be a great player. So is That's that, what I'm saying. That would be the, yeah. So that, is, is like that really Giancarlo Stanton. So, if Giancarlo yeah. Stanton had the power. That's that true. So for me, is that a better superpower than what I think is the obvious one, which is telekinesis? Knowing, oh, being able to affect yeah. the location of objects? Well, being able to just grab the ball and do whatever you want with it with your mind. That'd be good. I mean, that's that's a good you, one. You could throw it ninety miles an hour without physically being able to throw it ninety miles an hour. Well, I'm taking the question as, say, you're a major league baseball player right now, and I'm going to take the healing one. If it's you or I, I would pick something else. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I, I'm right, still saying that? I'm still saying telekinesis. I'm saying as a pitcher, those balls are staying in the in are staying on the field. Uh, you can you can in fact you can trip up somebody who's like rounding first base so they can you can throw in the ball and get them out. It, there's a lot of good ways to cheat with that. That's true. I was trying to play more straight up with the power, but well, you'll never make it all, as a professional. It's athlete all cheating. Then. That's right. That's right. It's all cheating anyway. <laughs> okay. Next question comes from Cal at Not Really Calvin. Should the SF Giants infielders even be playing on the dirt, or should they all be playing shallow in the outfield? I don't see why they're on the field at all. Yeah, they shouldn't be playing at all. <laughs> they're all they're all terrible. <laughs> really, I can't. They're all bad. Except for for sweet beloved Christian Arroyo. Yes, <laughs> who's already getting criticism online because Twitter's the worst place. <laughs> yes. Uh, next question comes from at LB37, who asked, what are good hobbies to do instead of watching the game? Uh, heroin? <laughs> well, we tried to talk about this last week. Reach out to people you haven't talked to in a while. Spend more time with your family or friends or make new friends. Um, volunteer? If you're a volunteer, that's always great. Get a side job to make a little bit more money. If you insist on staying, having a front row seat to the misery... You know, I think McCovey Chronicles is really helped me with my Giants fandom. Like, it really took it to another level. I mean, I'm doing this freaking podcast for it. <laughs> and I would say if you are, if you insist on watching the games and you insist on on being a part of any online community, let's say, even though I'm a miserable piece of garbage and I have a, a whole thing about being negative all the time, I would try to still be funny. And still try to, like, be a part of the community because why not? So I would say if you want to keep doing it, try to make it a great community that is funny and finding the interesting parts about it. Because it's like what Doug said. It's like baseball supposed to be fun. So find the fun in it. And, and you know, or what's going to be the best parts of those losses. With the funny faces, the stupid stuff that happens, you know. Why can other teams fall ass backwards into five rule five or three rule five guys who are productive and the Giants can have thirty 
spring training invites and and none of them are good. In fact, they're all incredibly bad. Like just stuff like that and go from there. But you can also, I think it's a little bit different, Doug, because they've won three World Series. So you could also do this. You could also just pop in your Blu-rays. Right. Pop in the old Blu-rays and just pretend that Freddie Sanchez is still healthy. Yeah. Uh, And you can also have a, a, a second team that you can kind of get some enjoyment out of. I don't know why, Doug, but I'm cool with the Mets. And the Mets, see, the Mets are really bad right now, but it's funny to watch that. It is. Because the, the Mets are all, like, their history is like being sort of comedically bad. So I can, if they lose, it doesn't affect me at all, but it's kind of enjoyable to when they win and when they lose. Because it's like, how are they going to lose this time? It's going to be hilarious. And so there we go. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. So. You find something to enjoy, and you do a bunch of heroin, and then you enjoy it even more. <laughs> the McCovey Chromecast does not support the <laughs> opioid epidemic. Please do not take this. Yes. Uh, let's see. We uh, one more from Steve Spenson. It's kind of a two-parter. Uh, fact or fiction? Denard's fan will be the Giants' everyday center fielder in 2018. Factor fiction, Denard's fan will be a productive major leaguer in 2018. Uh, fiction for both. Yeah, I mean, I think that if he was, if he's healthy in 2018, he'll probably be the everyday guy. I think that doesn't mean he'll be productive, and I don't think he's going to be healthy. Yeah. Also, isn't it an option for next year? No, it's a three-year deal. Oh, it's a three-year deal? Okay. Yeah. I thought there was an option in there for some reason. But in any case, I just don't I just don't see it happening. Now, who the Giants would get to replace him, I think that is actually a question would they even try. Um, and I don't mean that in, like, will the Giants even try to get better? I just mean, like, they, they, the Giants are very big on veterans and incumbents. So I, it would take a lot to move him out, but I would say his lack of productivity and consistently injured stature just means that someone's going to get a shot. Someone's going to get a shot. The giant store. Yeah. Right. See, this is already the starting point. Someone's got to get a shot. <laughs> Will it be a bag of groceries that someone left outside? <laughs> that might get a shot. Uh, I've got one from our own at uh, Jen Mac Ramos, the assistant GM of the Sonoma Stompers. She asks, when did AT&T Park start selling chicharrones and with hot sauce? Because that's my takeaway from this game. I didn't know they did. No, me either. I mean, I just saw the thing they did sometime within the last week about them them selling cream, the, you know, cookies and ice cream thing at the park. Uh, What's that? It's uh, you take a couple cookies, you put ice cream between it, and you have an ice cream sandwich. So, wait, so they just, okay, baseball parks have had ice cream sandwiches. No, no, they, but I guess it's, it's like a, full, it's a special it's brand. Like two oh. full cookies. Like you take a, you take like a snicker, you take like a chocolate chip cookie. Then you take another chocolate chip. I understand, but you can get like those Toll House ones and the prepackaged ones. Like Right, but okay, those are like so garbage are. with, you know, a small amount of ice cream and Oh man, there I've had so many of those and they have no natural ingredients in them. Yeah, exactly. So even the cookies. These are like you would make that you could make these at home. You know, mm-hmm. literally it's like literally like homemade cookies, like thick cookies and a lot of ice cream between them. It's like so, two thousand calories each. 
Okay. Well, that's good. No, okay. That's that's some good stadium food. Uh, for those who don't know, chicharron is a dish generally consisting of fried pork. I'm reading off Wikipedia. Uh, generally consisting of fried pork belly or fried pork rinds. Uh, it also be made, may be made from chicken, mutton, or beef. I'm going to assume it's pork in this case. And that's that's the natural. It's as, that's the main ingredient. Um, I think it's great. I think AT&T Park has great ball ballpark food. The um, the cha cha bowls I love. And I, and I know some people will say it's not even the best thing that's there, but it tastes good. And I feel just the fact that I can go to at t Park and get something that makes me think I'm eating healthy yeah. is a good thing. Yeah, exactly. It has ingredients that are healthy. So you know what? That's as good as you're ever going to get in the ballpark. That's right. That's right. Uh, I've got another one, Doug. This is from a gentleman named Garnt Busby. Okay. Grant Brisby. Sorry. Grant Brisby. He asks, hey, Brian, long-time listener, my question is this, what the F is this S? <laughs> Actually, what it said is, what the fuck is this shit? Oh, yeah. Um, so this is called the podcast. It's when, when two yeah. people uh, yeah. kind of do a radio show, but over the internet, so you can listen to it at any time you want. And we're doing it about the San Francisco Giants, who are, uh, man, they're just, what the fuck is that shit? And his follow-up question was, the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) And I guess my answer is, going off of your answer, Doug, is like, I don't know why we do this. I thought it would be a good idea to start a podcast because it would be easier for me to generate content for the site because I was having such a difficult time last year coming up with articles and writing stuff on the site. I thought, I'll do, I'll use my personality to get it out there. And it would just be interesting. A lot of other SB Nation sites have podcasts. So that is the answer to that question. Whether or not it's been successful, Doug, that's up to the listener. <laughs> <laughs> the success was in our hearts all along. But seriously, he was asking about the Giants. And my question is, I don't know, but maybe we should have seen this coming. <laughs> well, you, you've been seeing this coming since the day you started commenting on the Cubby Chronicles. That's right. And this really is sort of what I was always doom and glooming as what the Giants were going to be. Because... It just seemed that's what their process was, was like, let's get a, be- a bunch of bad baseball players together and hope for something good to happen. And it usually worked out. And now it doesn't anymore. Yeah. Uh, we, got, we have a bunch of questions, but I feel like we're also, we're way over. But also, do we have any others? <laughs> I don't see any others on the official account. Uh, uh, we've got one from Shandor at Shandy Teague or Shandy Ty. T-I-G-H-E. Is this hell? No, this is baseball. Great. No, hell, hell is Iowa. This is just baseball. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Giants were bound to be bad at some point. Were they bound to be bad when they expected to be good and competitive? That's always the surprise. But I think this is the problem with, with baseball. I, I can't speak to the other sports because it feels like the other sports – are volatile, but with baseball, it's always like you're you expect to be good until the the bottom drops out. Some some teams can go into the season knowing like this is going to be a tough year, but usually they come after, unless you're the A's, they come after some de- a modicum of success where you're like maybe if a couple moves here and some things break our way, we can keep stretching out the success. 
the Giants feel very much like the Phillies of of the earlier part of the decade, where it was like, oh, we're we're doing well, we're going to invest in all of our players, and they're the great Hall of Fame track players, and we're going to keep going and trust our farm and trust our our full stadium every day and all that stuff, and we're going to just bank, we're going to spend money to keep this going, and then the bottom drops out. And you look at the Giants and you go, maybe it shouldn't have been this dramatic, but at the same time, the last couple of years. I really feel like 2015 and 2016 are very instructive of it is the same group of guys, but are you getting the same production out of them? And are you supplementing the dead spots with better than what you have and or what you had? And the Giants are not doing that. Like they're not going to fill in left, left field, let's say, or filling in center field with better than what they had. They were hoping Denard's fan would be better than Angel Pagan, you know, but he, it's kind of a, it was a long shot, you know, left field. We're going to do a platoon or whatever because we're out of money. <laughs> you know, Nunez probably better than Matt Duffy, but perform, you know, it just hasn't panned out that way. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just baseball. Totally baseball. But, you know, I would say, like, if they did figure out a way, you know, the, they have 25 plus investors and the Giants are paying just giving free money to Major League Baseball, which they've been giving a lot of money to Major League Baseball for revenue sharing, but through the tax. And it's like it's basically a dollar to dollar tax at this much. If they had somehow traded for J.D. Martinez is the one example I can think of, you know, and J.D. Martinez comes in. And he's not injured like he is with the Tigers and he's coming in and hitting home runs. I actually do think in that situation, a guy who was better than the other guys on the roster would have helped, would have been a good thing, right? If you literally go get a player who's better than what you have, it stands to reason there's going to be some sort of improvement. Yeah, but would it have met, like would would it have been worth giving up something good for the future to take this from a nine win team to a twelve win team in April? I don't disagree. Even if I think that's, that's I think you're right about that, absolutely. But I mean, like Michael Morse coming in in April of 14, like when he was the power guy and he had more power than the other guys, he did help the team. He did help the team, even though he needed to work and, on his herpetology. <laughs> so it's just it's that they made their choices, and we can quibble now. We can be upset because of the results. I would say the majority of fans, including most of you, would sit there and look at the last few years and say the Giants had a sound decision-making process. And it just didn't work out the way they hoped it would. Um, That's it. That's the bottom line, folks. (laughs) Yep. Doug, I have some close. I have a closing thought, some homework for both of us. Okay. I'm interested to know how much you're willing to sign up there. I... I want to first I want to bring someone in next week from the site because we haven't done that in a while. And I think one of the promises of the website of the podcast is we're going to have we want people who are listening off of McCoveyChronicles.com, obviously, to keep listening. But also we do want people who are on the site because it's got this whole community. We want them to be a part of it. So I'm going to find somebody who would be interested in joining us. Uh, But also, I think we the two of us need to separately spend some time and come up with our own game plan for how we'd rebuild the Giants. Since this era of Giants baseball, I feel like, is, is pretty well over. I, I think it's, it feels like it's safe to say. It's been, this is like the third year of them being like, they're kind of spinning their wheels. They're trying to make the same thing. It's like they're 
Frankensteining this. They're, they're taking a bunch of parts and trying to shock it to life. You know, and they keep doing that. So I want to, next week, let's come up with our own plans for how you might rebuild the team. Okay. You down? You down? Yeah, right. let's do it. Let's, do let's make right. Bobby Evans look really smart. That's right. That is also the bigger thing is we will look stupid and the Giants will look great. And usually when we think we know it all, that's when the Giants get on a winning streak. So that's the bigger impetus here. And the last um, time we tried something like this, it was to compete with Grant, who did a fake offseason for the Giants, and we made him look like a genius. <laughs> that's right. Uh, but we would also say we didn't prepare as much for that. Now we are preparing for this one. <laughs> but we want to thank everyone for submitting their questions. Uh, Doug, do you have any closing thoughts for the week and what's ahead? The uh, Dodgers, Reds, I, and Mets. I want the Giants to be better, but I don't think they're going to. But they are going up against the Mets at the end of the week, so hopefully those curses will like cancel out, or maybe you know they got a fifty-fifty shot of transferring their curse onto the Mets, like a double curse on the Mets. I don't know. That's kind of. What I I'm think thinking. this is the. Yeah, no, this is good. This is a big test for all of us because two, when two comedy franchises have a crossover. <laughs> we sh- we might be able to get something really good out of this. It'll just be fun to watch them both fail in their own special way. Exactly. All right. Thanks for listening. Have a good night. Have a great week, everybody. All right. Thank you. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs>